Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Often we talk about the friendship of the Lord, and truly it is good to be able to say that God is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Uh, But we don't often talk about the other way. Are we a friend of God? And what a good song, what a good uh, challenge today. And I just want to encourage if you want to go someplace where you don't have to go tie ties, then go to Cambodia. Isn't that what you said, brother? Uh, So if you don't like ties, brother Ricky Kiever loves ties, so uh, I guess he's going to stay here. All right, I'm joking. Well, join with me in Matthew chapter number 9. We're going to be there in just a moment, Matthew chapter number 9. And uh, if uh, today, all around the world, thousands of churches, millions of people have joined in this uh, desire to pray for laborers. It's called Project 938, uh, put on by the mission office, and uh, we are thankful uh, that we have this impetus, this desire to be able to uh, be reminded to pray for laborers. How many of you oftentimes forget to pray for certain things? Amen. I, you know, we're, we're all guilty. We get busy, life happens, and, and this one day of the year, uh, we've been encouraged to set aside just to remember to be called to pray for laborers. And if we look at the life of Christ, even at just a, a cursory glance, what we're going to find is that Jesus Christ was a man of prayer. He, he was a man that we could go through his life, and we're going to look at a few instances of that just as an introduction before we get to Matthew 9. And we're going to see that Christ was a man of prayer. For example, when he was a child but 12 years old, they found him in the house of prayer as a boy. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, and he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish you not that I must be about my father's business. Here he was in the house of prayer, and his parents found him there. His ministry, when it began, it began with 40 days of fasting and prayer. In Matthew chapter 4, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And Luke 4, 4 he, uh, we realized it was a 40 days he was there fasting. We saw him as he was here on this earth. Pray for the sick. He would preach on prayer. He would teach on prayer. He led by prayer. He said in Luke 18, 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You could go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, and you could see in that Sermon on the Mount this great dissertation on the need and how to pray. Not just... Not just, hey, we've got to pray, but listen, it's not to be flamboyant and and for the benefit of others. Remember that we enter into that closet and we pray as such, our Father which art in heaven. We remember those things. And we saw even in his final hours, one of the most beautiful priestly prayers ever prayed. Not just for the disciples then, but those, even us today, who follow him in John 17, 9, just a a glimpse of it. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. You see, Christ was a man who was consumed with prayer. 
whether it was those late night hours in prayer, whether it was the early morning times where Christ would get away from the crowds and He would find a quiet, secluded place. And, and like in Mark chapter 1, and, and we find in Mark 1 that after a busy day of ministry, Christ pulled Himself away and retreated for those intimate times of prayer. Listen, He couldn't have strength for the next day if He didn't first connect with the Father. And so we see that His life was something that was extremely devoted to prayer in those final hours. Just before Jesus would be crucified, we find him in the garden praying, one of the most intense times of prayer meeting we've ever encountered. And Matthew 26, 36 says, Then cometh Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And we know this time was a time where he was so intent on prayer that uh, his prayer uh, and his burdens caused him to sweat drops of blood. Prayer was so interwoven into the life of Jesus Christ that we cannot distinguish hardly the one from the other. He was a man of prayer. He was the God of prayer. And as we follow our great example, Jesus Christ, and as we enter into Missions Emphasis Month as a church, let me just encourage you, it starts with here, right here with prayer. It starts with this, this desire, Lord, I need to pray. And Matthew 9 lays out three things about that. And, and we're just, I want to encourage you with these three things tonight very quickly. I will not preach long. That's my promise. I will not be little Pharaoh. I loved that. Was that not so funny this morning? But our example, uh, our great example, we're called upon to be people of prayer. Matthew 6, 9, it says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Christ expects it of us. And even those early disciples gave themselves, as he says in Acts 6, 4, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. But Charles Spurgeon said, Prevailing prayer takes the Christian to the mountain and enables him to cover heaven with clouds of blessings and earth with floods of mercy. Prevailing prayer lifts the Christian and shows him his inheritance and tra transfigures him into the likeness of his Lord. If you would like to reach to something higher than ordinary groveling experience, look to the rock that is higher than you and gaze with the eye of faith through the window of consistent prayer. When you open the window on your side, it will not be bolted on the other. Isn't that good? Let's read Matthew 9. Would you stand together, get you a chance to stretch your legs a little bit this evening. I tell you, it's been good, and we're grateful for all that the Lord's given us. We're going to start in verse number 36. Verse 35 gives us a little context there. But really, the meat and taters is going to be in 36 through 38. It says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this great reminder. Lord, not only are You a man of prayer, but God, You call us to prayer. And so, if we could be honest, Lord, we oftentimes fail to pray. Oh, God, forgive us in those failures. And help us tonight to be drawn back to that place of intimacy, that place of prevailing prayer, of persistent prayer. And tonight, would you just uh, take us, who sometimes can be so busy in this world, and help us to slow down and be still and know you're God. We love you, Lord. 
Oh, wow, we love you. So God, just take this time we have and use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we've been blessed today with some great preaching already, some great testimonies, and, and just hearing the scuffums uh, and their burden for the mission field of Cambodia. It beckons us to respond in some way. But what should our response be? Undoubtedly, it should be prayer, right? Prayer that takes us from the depths of this world to the heights of heaven. Prayer that will direct our heart and soul to the Lord with hopes that this life that we live is more than cars and houses and lands. Our prayer is what helps us to see the purpose that yet remains to be fulfilled. And it's to that end that I want to open our eyes just a little bit at the beginning of our missions conference and say, Lord, help us to pray. And there's three things I think specifically that we can pray according to this passage tonight. And so the very first thing that we see is that uh, we ought to pray for sight. Look in verse number 36. Amongst all, everything that's going on, verse 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And so as a result of that, there was a great flock of people that had come. They were curious. They wanted to see. They wanted the handouts of the food. They wanted to see and experience a healing in their own life. They wanted something selfishly from Christ. But this is what happened in response to that. Jesus knows their heart and says, But when He Saul. Here's the problem that we often have is we just refuse to see. Think about it like Think about Drive around Springfield. You can drive. When we were down in Galveston for a few days a couple of weeks ago, we were driving down through there and I was amazed by the home. They're truly beach bums. You hear the term beach bum. Oh, there was beach bums everywhere we went. Well, here in Springfield, we see the homeless people on the streets and we see them there. And what is our initial reaction? If I don't look at you, you don't, you don't look at me. Isn't that the reaction? If I don't make eye contact, then I'm not responsible. We are willfully, willfully blind. And I understand. I, I, you know, there's, a, there's definitely a blight on our society in that regard. It seems to be growing but my point is in, in that is what I've noticed is that sometimes we can be willfully blind to things we don't want to see. So let me ask you, are we willing to see? You see, Jesus had compassion because he was willing to look upon the situation. You see, God didn't turn a blind eye. God didn't just didn't deafen his ears. Instead, God saw. He had compassion. He looked down and Christ came. Listen, he didn't just take notice, but that notice spurred an action and that attention to the plight of man. And he brought us salvation. And what a glorious thing it is because God was willing to see. Let me ask you, church, are we willing to see? Are we willing to see the neighbor across the street? Are we willing to see the one that is, uh, that is at that checkout line and they see the sorrow and the hurt that's in their life? Are we willing to stop and say, let me pray with you just for a moment. I see that something going on. Or maybe we just need to share. Listen, Christ still loves you and here's, here's what He has done for you. You see, just being able to see opens a world of opportunity for God to work. Nehemiah, when he was serving in the king's palace, he was doing a tremendous work, had a great responsibility. He didn't have to see. He didn't have to ask about Jerusalem. But instead in Nehemiah 2.2, what we, uh, or I should, I'm sorry, uh, I have the wrong verse there. It should be Nehemiah 1.2. 
And so, uh, you had to turn in your Bibles because I'm going to have to. But in Nehemiah 1-2, what we found is that uh, Nehemiah asked about the situation that was going on back in Jerusalem. And he was moved with compassion. You know what, he's, he couldn't get a, a video of the situation. But what he could do is he could get a visual through other people's eyes. It says, and that Hananan, one of my brethren, came and he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. You know what he said? He said, I will not be willfully blind. Tell me what's going on in my beloved city. Tell me how the brethren are doing. Tell me how this situation is. I refuse to be blind. Sometimes we can enter into missions month with the attitude that, you know what, we just got to make it through this month. We'll be all right. But literally, God is asking you, will you See, will you open your eyes? Elisha was one of the Old Testament prophets. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha and his servant found themselves surrounded by a, a company of hosts that were looking to destroy them. And the servant was fearful and afraid. And, and he saw all these, uh, these armies against them. And Elisha was not fearful because he could see what the servant couldn't. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17 says, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And I simply, I, I pull this out of that, that passage so that we could see that, listen, Elisha prayed that his servant's eyes may be opened, and maybe we just need to pray that simple prayer God, open thou mine eyes. Lord, help me to see. Help me to have that burden to see. The second thing we see from our passage tonight in Matthew chapter 9, not only did he see, he saw the multitudes, but secondly, he was moved with compassion. So we ought to pray for compassion. You see, the, the first barrier is sometimes we just don't want to see. We don't want to see what's out there. And so the next barrier then becomes, well, I just don't care. Apathy is one of the greatest plagues of our generation today. You ever seen a young person and just you can tell that they just don't care? And, you know, they sit there and there's a, there's a mess that's on the floor it needs to be picked up and they look at it like... You, you've seen the look. And, you're, and they look at you like, are you going to do something about that? Because I'm not. You know, we see this and we, we, we judge those in, in that moment. And yet, let me ask, do we have that same attitude toward the lost? You see, it's the plague of the church of Laodicea. It's the plague oftentimes of Christians today. And it was the care of God that brought Christ into this very world. Remember John 3.16, we love this verse. For God so loved the world that He gave. He had compassion on us in our worst situation. He, he said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, uh, somebody help me out. But God commendeth His love toward that in where we were yet sinners. We weren't lovely, we weren't pretty, we weren't something uh, beautiful to look upon. But God in His compassion said, listen, I love you just like you are. And He was moved with compassion. You see, Christ looked upon the multitude and the Bible says that it turned His heart. He had compassion, and this compassion compelled him to go to the cross. 
It was this compassion that his disciples eventually understood. And, and, and once Christ resurrected from the dead and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, then it was that same compassion they carried on into the first church in that first century. And there was nothing that would hinder them from being able to deliver that message to others. And it drove them not only to spend their lives for the gospel's sake, but to lay down their lives for the gospel's sake. Why is it this family says, listen, we're willing to leave Kansas. Well, that's, that's pretty obvious. But why is it we're willing to leave America? And that is because God has gotten a hold of their heart and they are compassionate on the plight of people that don't know Jesus Christ. Sorry about the dig on Kansas. Poor guy had to grow up there. There's probably, how many other folks are from Kansas? Uh, just a couple. All right. I remember Brother Pastor's from Kansas. Amen. So, and Bonnie, Sister Bonnie, you're from Kansas. Must be godly people in Kansas if you came out of there. <laughs> Amen. You know, often I hear, listen, God's just not calling men in today's generation. You ever heard that? I don't think it's this God's not calling men as He did in previous years. But the reality is, is that we're simply gotten to the point where maybe we just don't care. May we be willing to say, God, I repent in my apathy. I repent of this spirit of don't care. And I want you, Lord, to have all of me. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Why is it we don't care? Because we don't guard our heart. Jeremiah warns us. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God says, therefore, because of the deceitfulness of the heart, we must keep, we must guard, we must protect it and give our passions over to Christ. Last thing, and I'll be done today, is simply pray for laborers. Now, there's two things here as I was just preparing and, and considering this passage because there are two kinds of laborers that I think that we need to pray for. And the first one is we need to pray for those that are laboring. I think of pastors and missionaries and those that I talk to on a regular basis. And many of those who are on the front lines of the souls of man are in a desperate fight. They need our prayers. They need us to be daily beside them uh, in, a, in the spiritual realm, asking God, pleading God, begging God to be their companion in this labor in which they fight. You see, they need a church family who will not just read the missionary letter that was read tonight from the Daniels family, but they will actually take the note as the, the person's reading it and say, listen, I'm going to commit to pray that God will raise the funds so that they can build this building for this brand new church that God has risen up. Listen, we want to be a part of praying for them to, to be protected from demonic attack that are constantly trying to pull missionaries and pastors out of missionary, off of the field and out of their place of service. One of our missionaries said, Recently, when I was talking to them, they said, listen, I've always learned that when God is about to bring me into a season of blessing, it is always preceded by a season of testing. Listen, they need our, our prayers so that they'll endure that season of testing. Listen, those are in our church, think about it more, a little more locally here for a second. Those who go out Tuesday night, not everyone can go. I get that. But those who go out Tuesday night on our go visitation and, and, and our go nights, let me encourage you, they need our prayers. They need, we need prayer for doors to be open. We need prayers that spirits will be receptive as we share the gospel. We need prayers that God will give us uh, safety as we go. We need prayers for those who are teaching the Word of God week by week. If you're in a, a connection group or, or uh, in our church, 
man, your teacher needs your prayer. If, you're, uh, if you uh, enjoy the preaching or don't enjoy the preaching, it doesn't matter. We still need prayer. Amen. I love what the Apostle Paul, he, he said this two times. 1 Thessalonians 5, brethren, pray for us. Isn't that good? It's that simple. We need prayer. It's me, O oh Lord. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Man, we need it. And then 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. So let me encourage you, if you're a laborer, let me remind you to keep your heart tender toward the Lord and the lost. Remember what he says in Psalms 126. He says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy, and he that goeth forth weeping, paring precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So we pray for those who are laboring but Christ also intended that we would pray for more laborers. Notice what he says in verse 38. Pray ye therefore. As a result of this lost multitude, as a result of these that are seeking the wrong things. Remember, as the preacher was talking this morning about just groping in the darkness. And we see this written uh, on the lives of people everywhere we go. And he says, pray ye therefore. As a result of that seeking nature, as a result of that lostness, he says, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so we are reminded that God is calling us as a church to pray for laborers. God's calling us individually. Would we pray for more to be willing to surrender? Moms, dads, do we pray for our children? That maybe God will allow one of our children to follow His will and His leadership. You see, tonight more than anything else, we need people of prayer. And as we come to a close on the first Sunday of our missions uh, emphasis, man, we've seen God do great things already. To see someone saved in our service this morning to see our hearts stirred for a country of great need in Cambodia. We've seen God do great things. And let me just invite you uh, to see this tonight, that, that God wants us now to begin this month in prayer. No matter where you're at in the journey, maybe you're willfully blind. Maybe you don't see. Maybe you don't want to see. Maybe just tonight you need to come and say, God, open mine eyes that I may have a desire to even see. Lord, I can't. I, I don't see it. Maybe you're in that second category. I just don't care anymore. Man, I've got so many other things. It's not that we don't love the Lord. It's not that those things. It's just, man, there's so many other things that com uh, uh, compel us away from what, what, what really matters. What I've noticed is if you're sick, it's hard to see the needs of others. If you're hurting, it's hard to see the needs of others. And, and sometimes we just need to come back to this. Okay, God, help me just to have a compassion for others around me. Or maybe... You're just burdened. You see the need. You see, uh, you can see, uh, have that burden for those that are lost. And maybe tonight you just want to come and say, Lord, I'm just doing what you asked. And I'm going to pray for laborers. And if it's me, Lord, Lord, I'm willing. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's word with you. If God has spoken to your heart, because of the message. Stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked His disciples, who do ye say that I am? 
And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?